welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to 2022, a new year in Phoenix Suns basketball, a new year that's led off by a 34-point drubbing of the Charlotte Hornets. Matthew, 34-point drubbing. The Charlotte Hornets got smoked tonight by the Phoenix Suns, man. How about that? It's brilliant. It makes me very, very happy, John. Um, You know, how many posters can we get in one night? You know, it got to the point where I think every player, yeah, every Suns player wanted a poster tonight. The high flying Suns over the high flying Hornets. You know, high flyers, when you think of high flyers, you think of the Hornets team. And definitely, Suns brought it tonight. Yeah, Suns brought it with two guys that you would never think as a high flyer uh, Jalen Smith and Bismack Biombo, Mr. Big Mac. Yeah, yes, yeah, Big Mac Biombo. And Jalen Smith both dishing out posters tonight. And you're right. I mean, the, the Charlotte Hornets are definitely a team that has uh, a lot of athleticism, a great point guard in LaMelo Ball, and, you know, Kelly Oubre, Miles Bridges. And, you know, you think that they'd be the ones who are just getting the posterizing dunks time and time again. Wasn't the case tonight. It was the Phoenix Suns who came out focused and truly responded after a disappointing New Year's Eve game in Boston. They went down to Charlotte, win by a final score of 133 to 99 over the Hornets. That's the second time we beat the Hornets this year. And I think both are over 30 points. We beat them by 31 earlier this year uh, or last year, earlier this season, Mm -hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. But I mean, a a fantastic showing by the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah, a lot of points, a lot of trash talking, and then Booker backs it up with the 20-point first half. So he's back. He's back, baby. He's back, baby. He's not rusty anymore. So uh, plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Whether you're watching along live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you coming here for your Phoenix Suns content and listening to the best post-game podcast on Planet Orange. If you happen to be listening to this podcast on Spotify, please give us a five-star. You just click the little five-star button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you give us a five-star review. You give us five stars and write a review. We'll read it right here on the show. If you happen to be watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please hit the thumbs up button uh, or head over to YouTube and hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. If you want to become an elite jamster, simply click the join button on YouTube or follow the link in the description on this podcast. Uh, Without further ado, it's time to talk about everything that we got going on. Uh, Matthew, before we do, can you tell me about what's going on behind you? It looks like you got some new artwork up there from one of our loyal jamsters. Quick shout out to... Uh, anyone who wants to have their artwork displayed behind Matthew on the podcast, simply hit us up at Suns Jam on Twitter uh, in our DMs and we'll have it displayed. Matthew, what do you got going on there? Yeah, so KT So Wavy at KT So Wavy actually reached out to her to see if I can put this drawing up behind me. It's a fun little DeAndre Ayton drawing. I'm like, we miss DeAndre Ayton, right? Yes. Sticks really filling his shoes, but a little drawing with little DAs all over the place to make up a DA. Beautiful face, uh, a lot of scruff on his face. So I reached out, I was like, could I use this for the Suns Jam Session pod? She said, yes. And here we are. I had to. I'd, I realized I had to reach out to people. because No you know, one's jamsters, submitting? All the, well, all the jamsters, I mean, we have five of you guys. They don't really, I mean, they're all not going to be artists. So, you know, I have to reach out. Whatever I see on Twitter I like, I'll reach out to them to see if I can use it. So well, I've had to go. do that and a good response. There so you far. go. At KT So Wavy. Uh, great artwork for, uh, you know, that looks like DeAndre Ayton. And we, like you, you said, Matthew, we miss him. We miss the big fella. Uh, we did it tonight, though. We did it tonight. Suns look no. good. Suns look good. Yes. So uh, time to pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's do this, Matthew. New year, VA juice. <laughs> new, yeah, new, new year. New year, new you. New year, new me. Well, let's pop them. Uh, let's talk about this 
fantastic win for the Phoenix Suns over the Charlotte Hornets. Cheers. Phoenix Suns are now 28 and 8 on the season after a dominating win in Charlotte over the Hornets, which brings me to a question I have for you, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I gotta ask. Should the Suns offer Bismack Biombo a veteran minimum deal moving forward, or have we forgotten about Frank Kaminsky too soon? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good question. Well, if it, he puts up like a good performance like this, the energy, some guy where, you know, you're looking for Landry Shaman for that energy, for the, the shot making. But hey, Bismack Biombo to come in and be that big body to, to actually get a second chance points. That's exactly what we needed in the last game. Uh, he came in, got the job done. He was ready. He kept in shape. So you want him to come in and be someone that can run the pick and roll. Even with Cameron Payne, that was kind of working today, too. And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? Is this guy? If this guy can just stay on our team, if Frank Kaminsky, of course, who knows the timetable really for this guy? If mm-hmm. he can stay on our team, because the COVID thing, who knows when that's going to be over? It's good to have that big body, especially some guy who looks just so happy to be here. You could just tell in his eyes, he's like, oh, this opportunity, I love this. This is your guy too, John, Mister Big Mac. So him playing with the Suns is something that it's something that you wanted. But I knew as soon as we got him, I'm like, a lot of Suns fans like this on Twitter that I was seeing. And this is why, because he's big, the energy's there and he can give you those put back points that we need. Well, I mean, you think about it when the, when it comes to the Phoenix suns, the one when healthy, the one glaring weakness, and I wouldn't even call it glaring. It's just a weakness is the four, right? That's what people talk about. The backup four, you know, because when healthy, you have Deandre Ayton backed up by JaVale McGee, who's backed up by Frank Kaminsky. So you don't necessarily need Bismack Biombo to be a part of this team to be successful. But I think that if you do decide to go with a veteran minimum deal for this guy, which the Suns still have available, it's definitely plausible that he does a 10-day contract, he does another 10-day contract, and they do end up signing him to that, to that veteran minimum deal. To your point, we don't know when Frank Kaminsky's coming back. It adds another layer of depth. It moves Jalen Smith into more of a four role, and it makes Bismack Biombo your backup to the backup when it comes to the center position. What it also does is it allows the Phoenix Suns to play with some lineups if they want to throughout the regular season. Because let's face it, the regular season's long. We've seen it a couple times over the past eh, about two or three weeks where Monty Williams has actually been experimenting with different lineups to see how different pieces uh, fit together, how Maybe when the time comes and you're playing specific opponents in the postseason, if you need to go all big, having a big Mac Miambo lineup, or maybe he's playing the full, the five, maybe DA's playing the four. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could get really creative with stuff like that because DA has the ability to spread the floor. He can shoot from three. He just chooses not to. Uh, and it, and as we learned, obviously in the in the postseason and the NBA Finals last year, having size is is a something that is definitely needed deandre at the four what do you think about that i don't like it i like da at the five always 
because he's just this is always this is always a topic with DA. I feel like we just throw it out there randomly, not us, but I just always keep hearing it. DA at the four plays someone at the five. I think DA playing at the five, even like a stick, someone just said in the chat, put sticks at the four. I like sticks at the five too. You don't always have to be so enormous. You don't have to be the biggest guy in the court. But what DA can do at the five is really spread the floor. He can be the guy to, to really you know, pass it around the perimeter. He can, he has great passing skills and he's a big man. He can get the boards. He, whenever he puts forth the effort, he can grab every board he really wants. If he wants to, you know what I mean? If he's in the area of the vicinity, he's a guy that can grab it. So I want him underneath the basket. I just don't like D at the four. I just don't, it doesn't look sexy. It's not the thing that's ever happened. And I don't think it's ever going to happen with the Suns. I know DA wants it, but right now his best fit is at the five. But if you want to put Bismack Biombo at the five as a backup five, I do like that too. I like how, especially tonight when he's, he, he has, he has a poster dunk, which is brilliant because that's one thing that, you know, we didn't really expect going into this game is anything as much. We were excited for him, for him to be on the team, but we didn't really expect him to come in and put that kind of dominating dunk on the, uh, the Hornets. So, you have him behind DA. You have him as a high energy guy. Not saying that he could teach DA anything, but it's kind of a switch up, right? Because you see mm-hmm. that DeAndre is more of a finesse guy. And then you have B- Bismarck Biombo to come in. And he could be the guy that's a little bit more forced. But I mean, DA playing the four, do you like that? Is that something that you still want? You want to see him at the four? I think that it's something we could experiment with throughout the regular season. I don't think it's something that we'll utilize in the postseason unless we're forced to. But if but let's say that you have Bismack Biombo as your backup to the backup, right? You can maybe try a couple lineups where you have uh, uh, JaVale McGee, who we know lives in the paint. You have DA, you know, playing the four. And we pretty much go into like Tim Duncan, David Robinson mode. Uh, because DA, due to his lateral quickness and his athleticism, can guard a lot of fours in this league. He's shown that he can guard guards in this league if he needs to. So, again, I don't think that it's prudent. I don't think that it's uh, something that the, the Suns will necessarily need, but I think it's something they could experiment with. And if it shows that it's successful, it's a it's another trick in your bag. And that's one thing that we ran out of in the NBA Finals is we ran out of tricks in our bags because we lost Dario Saric and we had no other big men to really play minutes. Uh, Monty Williams mm-hmm. said that he wanted to play or he should have played Frank Kaminsky a little bit more. Uh, but we know that Frank defensively with – with Giannis out there on the court would just get cooked. So, I mean, I think that having somebody like Bismack Biombo be a part of this team moving forward. Now, obviously I bring this up because you know uh, that I'm a big Bismack Biombo fan. I wanted him on the Suns mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I thought it was funny. You know, he comes in, he instantly gets a block. I'm like, bam, that's why I wanted him last year. You know, when we went through our trade deadline slash buyout guys last year, there were two guys who I was really big on. I was really big on JaVale McGee and I was really big on Bismack Biombo both being members of the Phoenix Suns because I knew that we needed uh, depth at the five. We needed size on the interior, knowing that we would most likely have to play the Lakers, which we did, uh, knowing that we would probably have to play the Denver Nuggets, which we did, but we smoked, uh, you know, and and not even thinking about the Eastern Conference. But I know that both of those teams have really deep, or or last season had really deep uh, big guys. And I think that that was a problem that I saw and identified for the Suns. So I was a big fan of him. Uh, last year so it's funny because like 2021 version of me you know which is so last year eh, uh, is so happy because I got both the guys eventually that I wanted 
Uh, I you know. know what I'm saying? <laughs> that never happens. And what's crazy, too, is we have two guys like Bismack, and then if Frank ever comes back, whatever's happening with that, two guys that can really crash the offensive boards. Like, that's something we've never had. We have it with McGee. We have it with Bismack now. We had it. We have it with DeAndre. It's just, it's nonstop. These dudes are just coming in. And I guess it's maybe because they just want to play for the Suns. I don't know <laughs> what, what else it is, because in the past, it never happened. Well, I mean, it's at that time right now where everybody in the NBA uh, is trying to survive and those 10 day contracts are going out like hotcakes. And it just so happens that that the that the Phoenix Suns have a need on the interior, which we saw. I mean, we saw that, uh, you know, against Boston. We just we had no interior depth behind Jalen Smith. So Bismack Biombo made sense. Uh, He wore number 18 tonight. And I know you won't know the, you won't know this. <laughs> you know, I got to start looking this stuff up. Man. You got to. You got to come in just like ready because you know I'm going to ask about the numbers. I always do. The two yeah. players who have – there's only other two players that have worn number 18 in the history of the Phoenix Suns. Can you guess anybody? Mm. It hasn't no. been since 1998. 1998. Oh, it's the last dude, time somebody wore number no 18 idea. Phoenix no idea. Hot Rod no Williams idea. did 1996 to 1998. Uh, if you remember, okay. Hot Rod, Hot Rod Williams is who we, uh, the Phoenix Suns, traded Dan Marley to Cleveland for Hot Rod Williams. Uh, yeah. Before that, it was Curtis Perry, 1975 to 1978. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it's been a long time since anybody wore number 18 for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Fabio in the chat. Yeah. Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jay Schneck Close. got it right. Said He said Hot Rod Williams. So, yeah, if you're smart, Jamsters, you should know just like if there's someone new on the Suns and they got a jersey on, I'm probably going to look it up. Come in. Uh, yeah, have your notes ready. <laughs> yeah, have your notes ready. But I, I really think that, you know, his addition, Bismarck Biombo's addition to this team obviously was beneficial tonight because it really assisted the Phoenix Suns in, as you mentioned, not only crashing the offensive glass, but just providing shot deterrence at the rim. You know, that's it something did. that the, the, uh, God, who did we play two games ago? I keep forgetting. Was it the Thunder? Yeah, the Thunder. We're running a layup line against the Phoenix Suns. And then you had the the uh, Boston Celtics were doing much of the same. So when you have both of those occurring, picking up somebody like Bismack Biombo, absolutely paramount for this team. Uh, you know, you look at the rebound, the rebound differential, differential, I'm sorry. If you remember, I think it was like we were negative 14 against the Boston Celtics. Yeah. We out-rebounded the, the Charlotte Hornets tonight, the Horny Hornets, if you will, 52 to 35. We nearly out-rebounded we out-rebound, them by 17 rebounds tonight, man. And you look up and down the box score, and you know you see that uh, Jalen Smith had 12. Uh, Bismack Biombo had six coming off the bench. Devin Booker had seven. Chris Paul had six. Uh, Mikael Bridges had five. I really think that you know without Monty Williams in Charlotte with the team, but with KY, Kevin Young running the team, I really think that that was the focus. It was like, listen, we need to crash those boards. I mentioned on the last podcast, Jalen Smith was uh, on his own. Every time a shot went up, every member of the Suns just started running down the other side of the court. Nobody crashed the boards. And you saw that difference happen this evening in where the Phoenix Suns actually were crashing the boards and doing what they could to provide support to Jalen Smith, who was our starting center this evening. Yeah, crashing the boards leads to the fast breaks, leads to outrunning this Hornets team that likes to play fast, likes to score a lot. But that was the Suns tonight. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the Hornets were just missing their shots. It was just basically the Suns were just making everything and playing very, very fast tonight, inefficient. It wasn't too fast and too crazy. It was fast to the point to where they could still set up an offense or else get a nice set shot. So all the players were in sync tonight, including Cameron Payne and Cameron Johnson, who were running the fast break 
basically at a way in a way where you know if they were ready for the catch and shoot they were ready they had a great even cameron johnson and i had a great catch and shoot tonight from chris paul on a fast break where they were just ready and set in motion it was really it was a different kind of Suns team tonight. I think it was because of the loss last game against the Celtics really pissed them off. We even heard on the broadcast how mm-hmm. Devin Booker and Chris Paul were absolutely just just annoyed after last game. Of course, because they couldn't help their own team. And then they come out, and Chris Paul only the seven points, but the assists were through the roof. So you know they're playing fast when that's happening, and these guys are just making their shots from the perimeter. Yeah, I made a, a note in my notes, which... You noted. It's very. I noted mm-hmm. in my notes uh, that it was a crisp start by the starters, and that the Suns were pushing the ball on the break, which is something we don't really see very often. You know, mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns are definitely a team that likes to play in control. They're a team that, uh, although they are, what's their pace currently in the league? Do you have that number up? No, the pace of the Suns. Yeah, what's their mm-hmm. what's their pace of play currently? Let's see. They are uh, third. No, I'm sorry, fifth in the NBA in pace. So they're normally a team that does play fast, but they don't play out of control fast, which is something I think that the Charlotte Hornets definitely do. Right. Like they are just like they're. So did you watch the Fiesta Bowl yesterday? I did not. I apologize. Son of a bitch. I know. I'm not a good fan. fan Are you not a good dude? Even asked about the Yankees. I didn't even watch the Yankees last year at all, too. I don't know what's going on with me. Different, man. Anyways, my point, my point is the the Notre Dame played Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl yesterday and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, they played and and their their pace of play reminded me very much of the Oregon Ducks under Chip Kelly. It's like, just go, 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 go. So by the fourth quarter, Notre Dame was so gassed that they Mm -hmm. ended up losing. They, you know, they, they lost, uh, they lost by two points, but it was very, yeah, there you go. So says Jay says it perfectly frenetic. It's a frenetic pace they play with. And I feel like the Charlotte Hornets typically, uh, what you're looking at, what frenetic means? Frenetic, fast, and energetic. I thought he made that word up. No, frenetic, fast, (laughs) frantic, frantic. Um, but that's the way that the Charlotte Hornets normally play. And that was, you know, one of the questions I had for you. Seeing as we don't really see the the Phoenix Suns play with a lot of speed and run fast breaks the way that they do, uh, do you think that this was the Lamelo Ball effect? Oh, just meaning like because they're playing against Lamelo Ball, they kind of want to match that. Is that what kind they're going of? For this yes. Game? Yeah, I could see that. I think uh, with Lamelo Ball, there's something between him and Devin Booker, of course. Like good shit talking again today. Um, it is. It's kind of you want to play this guy. You don't want him to outshine your team. And Lamelo went through a little stretch there where he made two threes in a row in the third, where it's like mm-hmm. he started to get hot a little bit. But I think when a team plays Lamelo, and I mentioned last time they played him, like the jersey count, how many jerseys you're going to see between Lamelo Ball and Devin Booker. That's a thing, I guess, because he is a superstar. So you kind of want to quiet those guys. When you do play against them, you want to quiet them. You want to quiet their team. You don't want them to like get the alley-oops down. You, know? you, you want mm-hmm. to outplay them in a fast pace because if they start getting Miles Bridges up in the air and they're giving us the posters, then it's going to be one of those games that's like, oh, can we pull it out in the end? So quieting him down is good because he is that good of a player already to where he can just control the pace of a game if you let him. And the Suns defensively played very, very well against him tonight. You didn't even really notice him tonight. You didn't notice this whole Hornets team anyways. So. No, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, and again, you you look at the last time the Phoenix Suns played against the Charlotte Hornets, they had their best offensive rating game of the year with a 129.5. And from a pace standpoint, they had their second highest pace of play game at 105.8. And so that's... uh 
whatever, 105. I, I forget how that metric is determined. It's an estimated mm -hmm. of, of possessions per 48 minutes. So they had their second most possessions uh, per against them, or, you know, against the Hornets last time. And yeah. now they had 103 field goal attempts. So right. I, I, my assumption is you take that 103 field goal attempts and, you know, you do the math on that minus the turnovers, what have you. This is another game where they probably had another high pace of play. So there's something about playing the Charlotte Hornets, and that's my point. Uh, there's something about playing the Charlotte Hornets that brings out this frenetic wait, wait such a beautiful word. So says Jay, such a beautiful mm. word. Uh, word this, frenetic, this, this frenetic pace in the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, kind of to your point, uh, I was kind of disappointed with LaMelo Ball in this game. And don't get me wrong, you know, he's somebody who we both have kind of written down as our number two non-Sun player who's in their fourth season or younger favorite player, you know? Uh, yeah. And, you can, and there, there's moments where you can see why. Because he does have a dynamic way that he plays, but five for twelve had seventeen total points, only had one assist in this game, so you really didn't see the playmaking. And if you look at the plus minus, which I know doesn't really necessarily mean anything in a one game span, he was a a, a team worst and a game worst, negative thirty two in this game. Uh, what the hell happened to Lamelo Ball? I don't know. He seemed like he had the campaign effect. So what I think is happening right now in the NBA is campaign has lost that that thing that was just that bad aura he had about him where he would get up in the air a lot in the paint and just kind of pass the ball away. It'd be really late in decision-making because I think this is two games in a row where he's, or maybe it was maybe against OKC where this really started where he's just rubbing off against these other point guards who LaMelo was doing it tonight. LaMelo was like getting in the lane and he was kind of jumping up in the air thinking that someone would be up there. But even Chris Paul, they were all playing the passing lanes really well tonight to where they were preventing him to finding anybody. And he really wasn't getting a shot off. I, I said earlier that he had the two threes in a row where it's like, oh, he might get hot here. But then the sun stopped it after that. So him trying to find his teammates is really just him getting to the lane and trying to find somebody to dish it out and making a fantastic pass like he usually yes. does around his head or through the legs or through his body, whatever, to somebody wide open for a shot. But it just wasn't there because the Suns were playing the passing lane as well. Like They came out defensively. They were ready to grab the boards. They were ready to just knock everything they away that hustle, was near man. them. They did. They they didn't want him to get going. I just think that's a thing. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is a thing with him. And every mm -hmm. team, I'm sure, scouting, going into these game plans, they have to point that out, that these teams need to be up there energy-wise against the Charlotte Hornets team. Yeah, that's the best way to attack them because they're a team that will boat race you before you know it. And I think we saw that last year. If I remember correctly, last year when we played them, there was one game where I, I don't know if we won it or we came back uh, and made it interesting at the end, but they came out with such – uh, intensity and hustle that the Suns found themselves down 20 before halftime. And that's what this team does. They live off that energy because they have the high flyers. They have the Miles Bridges. They have Kelly Oubre coming off the bench. They got Gordon Hayward, who provides a steadying presence and can hit jumpers and play a little bit of defense, not much. Uh, so they have the, the necessary tools to come out and just punch you in the face. And if you're not ready for it, they can build upon that lead. But they're a team that yeah. does have the worst defense in the league, and we saw that tonight. I mean, you can credit the Phoenix Suns, who ended this game uh, shooting a total of 50.5% from the field and went 17 of 41 from deep, which is 41.5%. So you can, you can definitely credit the Phoenix Suns because their shooting was back. The, the thing that they left in Boston at the TD Garden did not follow them on the plane to Charlotte. But that being said, the, the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets didn't make it tough for Phoenix either. You know, there was a lot of middies in the lane that were uncontested. Uh, there was a lot of open opportunities that the Phoenix Suns took advantage of. And I want to give a shout out to Devin Booker, who, you know, 
nine for 19 from the field, 24 points. Uh, I think that he really kind of set the pace for the Phoenix Suns in this game. You know, it's something that we we kind of missed out on on the last game. You know, he had a rough start uh, and he just felt like he was constantly trying to find his shot throughout the duration of the game in Boston. But if you look at the first quarter for Devin Booker, he went five for seven from the field, including two or three from deep, 14 points there. Uh, he ended the first half with a total of 20 points. So he really set the standard for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they had 73 points at halftime uh, because Devin Booker opened up the lane and everyone else is like, oh, shit, this is going to be a night where we could all shoot and no one's going to try to stop us, right? Yeah, no one bothered um, bothered the game, the last game. No one bothered it more than – I can't even spit that one out. All right, Booker was pissed after last game. There so we came there out in the go. first – there's first quarter book. is back, baby. And we needed it. We definitely needed it. Whether or not they're gonna they're gonna cream this team, <laughs> whether or not they're gonna beat this team by forty points, twenty points, or it's a close game, you still need Book to come out and set the tone after last game. Where we're looking forward to it, he did it. And I don't know who was really even watching the first quarter because of the stupid fucking Cowboys. Oh, excuse my language, stupid Cowboys losing to the Cardinals. So I missed a little bit of it. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Book had a great game tonight. Honestly, I think even in the third quarter, he just had that look running up and down the court. I like his little jog. He always does yes, down yes. the sideline. Like, look at me. Like he was just caressing that lead in the third quarter when they're up twenty plus. He's just like going through the motions, hitting a couple shots in the third, getting it to twenty four points, and then all the posters just start happening, and it's just over after that. So. It just seemed like he knew this game was over. My favorite part of the game for Devin Booker was when he was trash-talking a lamella ball after the missed technical foul that was called on sticks from yeah. that poster. Yes. And it was, I don't even know what he said to him, but he was just talking to him. When he just Lamella flexed was on him, man. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So that was a good back-to-back play. The the technical and then the crap, the, the shit-talking from Devin Booker. Um, But it's good to have him back. I mean, it was just one missed game, really, from him, and it was sucky, yeah. so... He's more pissed and, than we were. And again, you know, as I, as I said on the last pod, like I didn't expect us to win in Boston, given the fact that we were without any front line. And kudos to James Jones and the Phoenix Suns organization for recognizing that and going and give Bismack Biombo. I mean, that's and, and what better uh, team to play against for his first game back than the Charlotte Hornets? You know, a team that he's played yeah. on for a bunch of years. I mean, he definitely is comfortable in that arena, whatever the hell the name of their arena is. Uh, he's Beautiful very comfortable. Yeah, beautiful looking hives all over the place. Uh, but I mean, again, it's Devin Booker came back and, and had a solid game after having a couple bad ones. And Mikhail Bridges, uh, I know it was only 15 points for Mikhail, but that's what I was saying on the last pod. Like that, that's what I like for Mikhail. It was like 15. He went six for 12. He was taking his shots, but he looked a lot more like he had a, an offensive rhythm in this game. You know, it was a good response for him following a couple of duds, right? Yeah, I mean, more than a couple to me. I think it was a longer stretch. So he looked like there was one just short-armed uh, little runner he had. But then after that, in the second quarter, he um, the next one he kind of extended his hand. And it looked more like he pushed a shot. He pushed a shot forward, just more confidence on it, and went in nothing but net. He just knew the last one just short-armed it. So he's like, let me just you know, let me actually get some confidence in my step. And then after that, man, he was like hitting the step back, the step back three. Um, just dribbling up to the three-point line, knocking a three down. These are just things that I think uh, Mikhail's really improving on. This really improved this game, and hopefully, he can carry it to the next game because he's been going through slumps where we talked about his back maybe being an issue, where we just threw it out there as a rumor. But that's just the way he looks like he's playing. Yeah. But tonight, it didn't seem like anything was affecting him. It looked like he was just really comfortable and just playing the way that he was playing before his slump. And the defense is always there, right? But 
the three-point shot looked different. Like, usually I just get annoyed when he shoots a three. But the three looked like it's like I belong here. It was just like a confident shot, but like it's just little dribbles and like, oh, pop shot. Like, it just looked like a different kind of McHale tonight. And I love to see that because he was still getting to the into the paint, hitting his little mm-hmm. his hitting his little jump shot. So that was nice to see. Good game overall. And I'm really happy to have him back because we need him right down the stretch. Eddie Johnson yes. even oh, brought yeah. up too. Tired legs. You never think about that after the 18-game win streak. It's going to happen. So we need other guys randomly to step up. And tonight he was one of them, even though, of course, we didn't need him as much. But hopefully this continues to the next game, the next game after that. Well, I think a lot of it tonight was the fact that, you know, again, a lot of his points I felt came in transition or came off of transition possessions. So the defense wasn't necessarily set. I know a couple of his threes came in transition. So he really had some just different looks. It was less of a slow down. I've got to create a shot on my own within the confines of a half court set. It was, hey, we're in transition. It's a four on four or three on four or what have you. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that he really shined. uh, And again, had the confidence to get back in that rhythm. Because you're right. Definitely look confident tonight. And that's that's what I've been asking for. You know, again, I I'm okay with his contract because he's somebody who plays defense at the level that he does play defense. But I do expect some offense out of that contract, uh, especially on nights where, you know, again, you're without Jay Crowder, you're without DeAndre Ayton, you're without JaVale McGee, you're without uh Monty Williams, so you're without so many pl- players. This is when he needs to step up or at least contribute. And I he did a fantastic job contributing tonight. Uh, another guy who contributed tonight was one Landry Shamit. Ended with 24 minutes, 17 points, 5 for 8 from deep, 6 for 9 from the field. Matthew, should I eat my words from the last podcast? Yeah, but I was going to say he ended the night 3 for 3 in a row. And I was like, oh, dude, that's nice. Like, that's going to make John eat his words as you just brought up. But he did start the game out 2 for 4 from 3, which was nice. I saw in the box after I didn't really catch the first quarter too much. So he started out the game pretty well. But, I mean, it's it's kind of a game where he just looked comfortable because of the lead. So maybe you, you think of it like, was he just comfortable hitting his shots because of the lead and maybe because of who they were playing this night or tonight? And could we count on him to be like this in the future? So it's kind of one of those games where I just throw it away. Could we just throw this game away and just see what he can bring when we actually really, really need him? I Good on him for hitting three threes in a row. Uh, we needed that, I guess, in the fourth quarter, <laughs> right? Going into the fourth quarter. But we do need that in games like against the Celtics, like uh, any game we play in the future where we have injuries and we need someone to step up if Booker's not hitting shots. We need you to step up and hit shots. Tonight, I'm going to throw this one away. Well, I'll give it, you know, Jay Pizzle says in the chat, and a reminder to anyone who is watching along live on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button down below. Uh, but Jay Pizzle says, Shamit has to be the best player in history in garbage time. And I feel yeah. like that's where the majority of his his uh, points occurred. You know, looking at the box score in the first through third quarter, uh, Landry Shamit had a total of six points. Okay, he ends with 17. So he dropped nine in the fourth quarter when it didn't matter. And uh, Khalid Y says, what do you got to say about Landry now, John? Um, you know what? Hashtag trade Shamit. How about that? I'm still Ooh. on board of training Shamit. I still think so that this helps gotta... his trade value, huh? <laughs> this helps his trade value. Yeah, he had a couple. Yeah, start recording. Here's, here's what it comes down. Yeah, uh, Kyle, get the camera, you know. <laughs> trade Shamit. No. Um, here, here's where I'm at with Shamit, okay? I'm still I'm still pissed off at him because, again, when we really needed him, he didn't freaking show up, right? And that's kind of been yeah. par for the course for him thus far this season. If Landry Shamit, can average 10 points over a five-game span, 
Okay, five games, 50 total points for Landry Shaman. I will once again play his drop for him again. Okay, until okay. then, he's, he's yeah. got to do it. He's got to do it. So I just, I'm, I'm happy he did what he did tonight. And that's what I want him to do. But I want him to do it like you said, Matthew, when we need him to do it. Not, you know, again, he if you take out the 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 fourth quarter, he ends with six points. You know, if you take out the, yeah. the fourth quarter, Landry Shamit ends with the, with a total of uh hold on. Oh, he, 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 he had, I'm sorry, he had eleven points in the fourth quarter. I did my math wrong. Uh but if you take out the fourth quarter, he went two for four from the field, as you mentioned, and he had two he had a turnover uh and a couple fouls. So he hasn't done anything yet to get me over there. And that's the fun part about doing this podcast, right? This is like the ongoing saga of Landry Shamit and and John's frustration with him because I hit the tipping point on New Year's Eve. And that's good. We're going to see from here how he performs moving forward. Because again, I want him, obviously. I'm I'm the one who wrote all the the fanboy articles on brightsideofthesun.com. Great website. Go check it out. We put out great content there. But I wrote all the fanboy stuff about Landry Shamit, and I was the one who wanted him to do well and to be the Devin Booker spell. You know, every time Booker's on the off, uh, you know, who's who's leading the game off by scoring as many points as he does in the first half, Landry Shamit's the guy who's coming and spelling him. You just get nonstop onslaughted by our two guard, and he just hasn't done it this season. So yeah, seventeen points. Let's do this. Let's do this, man. Yeah, and really quick, let's just focus the energy too. If you want that guy to step up, let's just focus it on the big guys like Bismack Biombo and Jalen Smith because those guys you can count on. Let's feed those guys if you want to actually kind of compete with teams. If if Booker and Chris Paul are struggling, let's get those guys going because those guys look like they can help a team get over a hump or stay with the team when your superstars are struggling. I would go to them more. No, I, I completely agree. Those are the guys who, you know, again, it's more high percentage shot anyways. But speaking of sticks. Stitch report. Jalen Smith tonight. Fantastic game. Once again, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 8 for 15 from the field. Uh, and as one of our, our loyal jamsters says, Blaze Megatron says, "R.I.P. Plumlee, LOL," uh, because that posterization he had on on Plumlee. I don't know if it was Miles or Mason or whatever fucking Plumlee it is. Uh, Mason Plumlee was just spectacular. I mean, and I got to ask you this, Matthew: Has Jalen mm-hmm. Smith had, in your opinion, a bad game this season? Any game that you would define as a bad game? Has he really had one? Mm-hmm. looking around yeah <laughs> absolutely he's had a couple bad ones early in the season you like we so? just yeah i just remember the trash talking on twitter like it was a yeah it was trade trade sticks trade all that it was before in the season and it's fine because what happens if when you give these guys reps they turn into something that you just never knew existed because they have the reps that's all this is really and it's kind of a slow build-up especially in this game where it's uh get that shit out of here sticks leads to like the the Mari dunk right yeah from that year like that dunk oh I just I I got up out of my seat for that one definitely and I just I'm telling you this is just something that it was building and building and building and it got to the point where he's yelling get in the tech and that's an okay tech because I like that out of him especially when you have a thirty point lead who gives a crap get the technical we're still gonna win the game but that energy he has. It's just it's weird because last last game we were talking about how he's kind of fumbling and bumbling around on the court when he's trying to block the shot, right? You didn't see that tonight at all. So maybe that was something pointed out and he adjusted that way. He got his blocks, 
but he wasn't falling all over himself doing it. Like he just keeps improving yes. game to game to game to game. And it's just a confidence building from the reps, dude. It's just how many players in the league really just don't get the opportunity, don't get the reps. And they're just sitting there like, dude, like I'm just never going to have a career. And this is a guy that of course we wanted to trade. And I think he did have crappy games before it's because he wasn't used to playing. He just wasn't used to getting the opportunity. Now he has it, dude. Well, and again, you know, reps is something that is going to be beneficial to any young starting center. Uh, and you're going to see growth and you're going to see ups and downs. And that's why I kind of asked you the question, because I really don't feel like he's had a, a bad game this season. I think that he's had some bad moments. I mean, we we referenced the game in which he uh, was fumbling the ball a little bit. Um, I mean, this was his 15th total game this season. He's It's his second start overall. And when I look at, you know, kind of how he's played, I, I don't remember a performance where I was just like, dude, that was horrible. You know, I mean, the, the one game I think I was frustrated was uh, against Washington. He went one for seven from deep, you know, uh, but the Suns won by like 20 points in that game. So I don't know necessarily how much that mattered, but I think that he's really starting to make a case for, you know, anybody who's had those you know, we need to trade him. We need we need Thaddeus Young. A lot of people are starting to change their tune because sh- he's displaying that when you give him minutes and you give him opportunities with the first team and you have Chris Paul. I mean, that's who set up that dunk was Chris Paul. And when you have those when you give him that talent around him, he's showing that he really is a talented individual, much akin to how DeAndre Ayton was. DeAndre, Ayton, you could always see the raw talent. You just you're just praying that he could put it together, you know. Jalen Smith in his entire career has, this is his 42nd overall game. You know, think about that 42nd games. This guy, 40 42 games. This guy has played this season and we're just really scratching the surface of what his uh, abilities are. We can see his foundation is fantastic. And I, you know, again, this, this needs to put, you know, one it ups his value. Obviously a dunk like that all over Twitter is going to up your value across all fan yes. bases, yes. you know, but, but true. Or, 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 but but second, it's true that I don't think that we necessarily should ex- even have to explore trading him now. He's he's proven that he needs. He, <laughs> I know. Is, is, isn't it funny? Like three podcasts ago, we're like trade his ass. That you was know, my note. I'll I put. Do, I'll be doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be doing the same thing about uh, Landry Shaman two podcasts where I had hashtag <laughs> yeah. trade uh, Shaman. That's gonna, take, like, some, that's gonna hashtag, take some. I love time. him. That is. That's gonna he, take some time. He 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 has scarred me. But um, Sticks has put up um DeAndre Aiden stats. He has the last four games, yeah. dude. Like, seriously, I mean, he's what he has. Uh, okay, so 15 and 9, 11 and 14, uh, 19 and 7, and then 19 and 12. Dude, those that's... are his last games. Like, that's that's stat, that's stack. You call him stack DeAndre Aiden's stats right there, dude. That's yeah, and it's and it's basically it's just him getting warmed up, right? Who knows what the future holds for this guy? This is me always getting so high with these Suns players. They show a little bit of a flash, and I'm all over all star, superstar. What's next for this guy, right? Well, yeah, I know, right? Well, and again, you know, the thing that always happens, and we have to be reminded of this because you make a great point. You just think back to Alfred Payton when he was a starter for the Phoenix Suns a few years ago, and after 10 games, we're like, this guy's it. It's everything. And then, you know, the league adjusts yeah. to players, and now that he is putting more film together and scouts can see what he's uh, capable of, you might see some adjustments to how he plays and how he's defended. But I still think that, you, you can't defend the way that he rebounds. You can't defend the way that he blocks shots. I mean, how many blocks did he end with tonight? How many, you know, they three. never give full I'm credit. Did you say three? 
I just threw that out there. Let me see. It's two. Uh, but I two. feel like there yeah. was. I feel like there was three. I think there was one which they, they didn't count right off the bat. Always. But I think that always, you know. Yeah. Um. But here's here's another question, and I saw this mm-hmm. uh, from at Valley Sports forty eight on Twitter. It says, does his play the last few games change the max contract eight argument at all? I know that it may seem ridiculous, but it feels like the center position on this team can be plug and play if it's the right person. What do you think of that? Well, last time we were talking about how it wasn't, right? Because you couldn't replace DA. It was just a mess against the Boston Celtics and against the OKC Thunder because you're playing McGee there. But McGee is older. Sticks has something to prove a lot younger. He's even getting quicker, too, just really quick. Sticks is like, he's he's not as slow as he was before. Maybe because he's just more comfortable. He's super quick now, especially mm-hmm. matching up against this Hornets team that's super quick. But... Um, I don't know. It's going to be one of those things where we always talk about this till next se- till this offseason, which is probably why they didn't pay DA, right? Because we're going to talk about this all year. It's not like they're like, hey, let's see what we have in the sticks because we barely played his ass until COVID hit. And then now we're playing him because they just they have no choice. And now he's kind of just putting up DA stats. So, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things we're going to go back and forth with, right? Oh, but of course. I mean, but that's what makes it fun to talk about, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so again, I'll repeat the question. Does does, does Jalen Smith's play the last few games change the max contract for eight in argument at all? Uh, I say no. I say no. I think that, again, Jalen Smith is definitely showing that he has talent. Uh, I don't know how that translates over a longer period of time. And, and what's nice is we're seeing it over, you know, a blip here in late September, early January, we're seeing some consistent minutes for him and we're seeing how he responds to those consistent minutes. And we're seeing how Chris Paul is utilizing him and, and building his confidence. So I definitely think that he's somebody who I'm pissed that we didn't extend him, give him a, a rookie extension. I'm pissed about that, but I don't think it changes the argument relative to Deandre Ayton's max contract, because I still think in my opinion that, you know, you pay DeAndre Ayton the money because he's showing that he is a very unique uh, individual inside the paint. I think that over a longer period of time, if we saw Jalen Smith do this consistently, uh, yeah, it changes the argument. But again, this is, you know, four games at, you know, during a COVID ridden season against opposition that isn't bringing all of their best talent. And, yeah. he, and, and don't get me wrong, like he's playing well. That's what you want to see. Uh, but I think it makes him more valuable as a trade asset than anything. Again, the fact that we did not, uh, yeah, King Paw two four two says <laughs> Sticks is definitely leaving Phoenix. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that. And he's definitely put together uh, some highlights now that are, you know, make him a more appealing to any organization that wants to bring him in, whether it's as a free agent at the end of the year or as part of a trade, uh, hoping that they can hold on to him for a couple more years after that trade. Yep, absolutely. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it was fantastic to see him blocking Miles Bridges. Uh, he's got great timing on his blocks. That's one thing that's instinctual. <laughs> you know, you you can't you can't really uh, teach the way that he goes after blocks. And as you mentioned, he looked a lot more graceful doing it. He wasn't fucking body slamming people tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's fun with yeah. watching him play, and this will be kind of my last point on sticks before we move on, is. Watching him develop the way that he has in such a short time, uh, it's it's almost like unlocking badges on 2K with him. Like every game, he's unlocking something new. Like last game, like he could block, but you know, you know, there were some fouls involved. Like this time, like he learned not to do that. And it's just yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, and really quick too, it's like coloring outside the lines. He's like eventually just every page in the coloring book, he's like trying to color inside the lines. Dude, that's what he looks like. He's just more solid. Yeah, exactly. He's growing up in front of our eyes. 
another thing that was great about this game, obviously, is the fact that only Cameron Johnson hit 30 minutes. The rest of the team uh, played, you know, no one played more than 30 minutes on the entire mm-hmm. squad. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players scoring double figures tonight. None of them were Chris Paul. None yeah. of them. He he ended with a total of seven points, but had 16 assists. Uh, give Enough. it up for CP3. Give me your CP3 rant. Oh, well, I mean, he came back into the fourth, too, with those 16 assists. I don't know if he was trying to hit, like, a high or something. Like, why is he still in the game? But uh, when he's hitting, like, the pullback threes like he hit in the third, I was like, okay, this game. You know, it was already over, but when usually when he's hitting now those really threes. it's really over. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, like, it's always at a time where you know the game's over or it's, like, Chris Paul takeover time, and that's exactly what happened tonight. Um, But like I said earlier, he was, like, on – on the defense, I feel like he kind of led the defense tonight too in ways of just filling the passing lanes and just getting tip balls. So he was doing that early in the game to try to set the tone, I think, because they needed it. So he set the tone early, like Devin Booker in the first quarter, and it just rode out from there, man. He just he had a good game. I don't care really about the points. It's nice to see the assists get back because I know he had a few games that were kind of lowered on the assist toll. That's basically the other guys not making their shots too. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that, uh, you know, knowing that he can jumpstart the team the way that he did and that he dropped those 16 dimes, you know, that's going to take him so close. He's at 9.9 assists per game. That might push him over back over that 10 mark. I know it's a stupid thing to kind of want, but I like like Mm -hmm. having him lead the league with over 10 uh, total assists per game. But again, you know, he, he did what he was supposed to do tonight, you know, and it was nice to know that the team could support him. Cause I think that that was the trouble against Boston was he was trying to get the team to, to perform. He was trying to set them up. They just weren't knocking down the shots. So then he has to extend and expend a lot more energy um, trying to go ahead and, and get the team just to stay afloat in the game tonight. Everybody mm-hmm. was knocking the shit down. And again, him, him with sticks was just, it was fun to watch. So yeah, buddy. Um, let's see. Is there anything, is there anything else in your notes that you want to hit before we jam star this bitch? Uh, let me just check really quick. I have, I went over everything. I'm good. Wow. Literally everything. Seriously, dude, we hit on the same. So we have that chemistry now where you're just going through my notes almost <laughs> finishing each other's sentences. Well, let's start with the jam. stuff. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, this is a reminder if you're watching along live, please hit that thumbs up button on YouTube. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, head over to YouTube, hit the thumbs up, let everyone know we're the best post game pod on Planet Oranges. And if you are listening to the podcast, give us a five star review on Spotify and give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Stitcher or all those other places, just go one of those other platforms and do the same. Uh, and let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. Uh, Suns in four says MJ Walker with three steals. You know, I actually did write a couple things in my notes about MJ MJ Walker. I'm sorry. Uh, From Florida State, I liked his hustle. Uh, He was moving fluidly and making himself available by doing so. Wasn't hitting a bunch of jumpers. You know, he took a couple threes, didn't necessarily uh, come out successful on that. He went eight minutes over three. Uh, but he did have three steals and was hustling his ass off. So big fan of MJ Walker. Is Did you notice him at all? Or by that point, were you you done? Head in the phone. There you my go. My head was in my phone. Head in the phone. So uh, happy birthday to <laughs> Sony Lovato. She says, happy birthday, jam star of the game day to me. Well, you went 50 yeah, percent, Sony. You're like Matthew. You got the Suns to win, but the Cowboys lost, nice. <laughs> which we'll Capricorn. talk about momentarily. <laughs> so 
Um, oh, uh, Capri- oh yeah, Capricorn. Oh, you saved it for last, huh? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah we'll you can't wait. That game. Huh? We'll, we'll talk right. about that game. That's fine. I don't uh, care. Let's go. I- I'm giving it to Sticks for for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I think that he just again played fantastic. He set the tone. He had the highlight dunk. Uh, is there anyone else who's worthy? I mean, Devin Booker, as we mentioned, kind of at the yeah. front end of the podcast. You know, those 24 points in only 29 minutes. I mean, definitely productive. But I got to give it to Sticks, man. I got to go sticks too. even like just his hustle on the second chance, but he was like just always tipping balls when he was in the area to his teammates, which was nice to see because he just he was running with that Hornets team, which is something you would never expect from sticks. I'm telling you, man, he got a little fast tonight, a little too quick for the way he used to be. I just think that him just being comfortable out there is really just equaling him and his quickness just kind of going up a couple notches. Yeah, it's just it's really fun to to see somebody who progresses that way in such a short period of time. Cause I mean, yeah. he, he really should get owned. I mean, let's not lie. I mean, Mason Plumlee has made DA look dumb sometimes, you know, just with his physicality. But I think that Jalen Smith really has the, uh, the capacity to just, again, instinctively has, he has a very solid, solid foundation. So very excited to see him play the way that he did. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays moving forward and what kind of minutes he allots moving forward. Cause again, yeah. you know, Probably by the next game, which is the Suns at the Pelicans, which will be on Tuesday. In theory, we should have DA back. And JaVale McGee, I don't know. I don't think he'll be back yet. So you'll definitely see sticks and some backup minutes. But when you take a look at the the next matchup for the Phoenix Suns, they're going against the 13 and 23 New Orleans Pelicans, a team that currently is the 14th overall seed in the Western Conference out of 15 teams. Uh, Mm -hmm. Currently... Let's see what they got here. Uh, Dalton Holmes, I don't know who that is. He's out with a fibula. Brandon Ingram's day-to-day with an Achilles. Uh, Kyra Lewis is out for the season with his knee. Najee Marshall, I don't know who that is, health and safety protocols. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky, who came over in the trade for Lonzo Ball, out due to health and safety protocols. Jonas Valachunas, health and safety protocols. Zion Wilson, out for being fat. Uh what are you expecting in this game? I mean, this is, looks like it's a game where they're going to be depleted. They're obviously mm-hmm. a team that's not good to begin with. This is, I mean, we should wax this team too, right? If we bring the energy. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually thinking if you want to bet the over under, I'm going to go under 15 and a half minutes from De- DeAndre. And one guy that you can count on for probably not being in shape coming back. And plus with the COVID, it's going to be DA because he's always super tired, right? So he'll just be, you know, kind of get his feet. I'm not, it's not a knock on him. I'm just saying, I think he's just going to be, out of shape in this game to come back. And I think it'll be a game where, of course, Six will continue his energy. Bismack proven himself to maybe get an extension. Dude, so you just feed, feed those guys again, even though we had it tonight. I'm not just saying that because of tonight. I just think it's something we can do against this Pelicans team, who, of course, you know, like you just listed all those injuries, COVID listings. It's just going to be a different team. I mean, they're not even really a team right now. So it should be an easy win. Probably not as easy as tonight. But it's something that the Suns should just pick up early and just continue like they did tonight, even to the third, and just end it in the third quarter, and then hopefully get these starters even more rest because we gotta get those legs underneath us to finish out this this later half of the season. Yeah, I think that you know tonight showed how the Suns can be when they have the right amount of energy. I think that over the past couple of weeks we've had some frustration relative to their energy levels at the beginning of the games and they'll get behind. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. what the war, the story of the Warriors game was, right. Was they just didn't come out with the right energy. Even Monty Williams said at the end of the game that they didn't match their energy. Uh, the following game, they didn't match the energy. I feel like Boston, they didn't match their energy. And I think that tonight they came out with that energy. And I, that that's the, that's the key to the game to me is if the Suns come out with energy focused, they're going to dominate this team. They should. 
you know, because following this game, they play the Clippers in L.A. So if there's an opportunity for the, you know, quote unquote trap game. But I think one thing that will prevent that is a, a couple guys are going to be out there and they're going to be hungry. You know, if Bismarck Biombo gets an opportunity to play some minutes. He's going to still be hungry and he can perform as we saw. Uh, I mean, even Eddie Johnson said it tonight on the on the broadcast. He was just like, this guy looks like he's been a part of the team all year. And I would like him to continue to be a member of this team all year for the rest of the season. So uh, I definitely think that, you know, this is a team that we should dominate. You know, this always brings up the the Zion conversation. You know, he's he's a player who hasn't played at all this season. He's a former number one overall pick. He's becoming the Greg Odin of the 2019 draft class, uh, unfortunately, for yeah. Zion. Um, you know, this is a team that we beat by. 12 points in the first game that we played them earlier in the season, which was our sixth overall game of the season. It was actually the second win in that 18 game win streak. But, uh, you know, I could ask you how disappointed you are in the whole Zion situation. I think I know, but if you want to tell anybody, I'm not, I feel bad for the dude. Actually, I'm on the other side. I just think it's a point where he's getting big and the, I don't, cause there is, I forget what player it was who struggles with weight and it, it might have been Antonio Bennett for the Cavaliers. I think it was Antonio Bennett. Was I think that was his name? Um, yeah, first overall first, pick. First overall pick, and he struggled with weight, and he heard about it all the time, and it really got to him mentally. And I think that really hurt him as even getting on track to being a decent player. So I hope it's not the same case. I think Zion's probably mentally stronger than Antonio, but it's just something where nowadays you got to be careful, just because these players do read all that, and I think it does get to into their heads. I'm not saying that Zion cares. And hopefully he doesn't care. He just focuses on his own shit. He can get in shape and yeah. be a dominant player. But if he can come back and be that guy, it'd be awesome. I just kind of feel bad for the dude right now. I don't know why. I'm just on that side. Well, of, of course I feel bad for him. You know, I mean, he is, when he's on the court, a, an elite player, a, a generational player, maybe. But we definitely mm -hmm. saw how he was unstoppable against the Suns last year, right? I mean, oh. there was no answer for that guy. Jeez. There just isn't, you know, but it's. You know, Buck Dog says in the chat, he goes, he was always destined to be an injured bust. No one believed. Oh, Anthony him. Bennett. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but Buck Dog, I believe you because I was saying the same shit. Matthew, you were saying the same shit too, right? It was the yeah. way that he, you looked at him as, as a freshman at Duke, how large this guy was, and the way that he ran up and down the court. And you and I used to comment on it all the time when we were watching uh, the tournament. We were getting ready for that draft because obviously the Phoenix Suns had a shot at Zion. We should have had him. And we I remember you and I watching and having those conversations about whether, you know, Zion or John. Ja. We were both Jaw people because it looked I wanted like Zion. Zion. I did want I, yeah, Zion. Yeah, I wanted Jaw 100 percent Yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. And and it's because I knew that Zion, because of his body type, is somebody who now I didn't think he'd struggle with weight this much, but I'm like, this is a guy who's gonna have knee and ankle and feet problems his whole career. I just you could see it. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Show enough knee ankle and foot problems his whole career thus yeah. far and he's he's missed more games than he's played in and again as you mentioned it's just it's just kind of sad right it's just kind of sad it is sad just come back zion we love you we'll see we'll see zion so all right let's see uh see if we got any other drops here Let's get positive, Matthew. Let's talk about how this is like the first time that I can remember in a long time that not only the Phoenix Suns won, but the Arizona Cardinals won on the same damn yeah. day. On a day where Kyler Murray goes down to Texas, plays <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys in a stadium that he's owned since he was like in high school. Uh, somehow, some way, they hang on, in my opinion. They didn't win this game. They hung on because they looked like shit in the second half. Uh, how about them Cowboys? 
Oh, this is playoff. This is why I gave up five weeks ago against for the Cowboys. Cowboys look so good the first half of the season. Then Dak, once Dak hits to where he's not throwing it past six, seven, or eight yards, it's over because he is the X factor. Obviously, he's a quarterback, but this is the way they play. This is the playoff Cowboys team. This is the way the first playoff game is going to go. They're going to start off make score nothing because Dak cannot throw the ball downfield. He doesn't trust his arm. When Kyler Murray's throwing the ball downfield and he's throwing it over the Cowboys cornerbacks heads that's how you throw the freaking ball even if they're not open Dak trust your freaking armor so you're not gonna win Zeke is out of shit not in shape well he might be in shape but he's injured he's not fast he can't do anything yeah. 30 he yards have, today he doesn't have any explosive take him out put in Pollard this team right now offensively is really gonna let this defense down because this defense is the best I've ever seen since the 90s Cowboys and they're gonna let them down because they're not gonna score shit against the team they play in the playoffs and they're just gonna lose the same but they're gonna come back almost in the end and lose they do this all the time this is why I give up on them. This is why I stopped watching them. This is why I stopped watching them at halftime today. And then I came back a little bit when it was 22, 20, 25. I'm like, okay, let me see if this is going to happen. And then it's just, no, because this is what happens all the time. So congrats Cardinals, because this is, if you play the Cowboys in the first, second, and third round, you're making the Super Bowl. <laughs> so obviously if anybody who's new listening or watching the podcast, I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. Matthew's a diehard uh, Cowboys fan. His family's from Texas. My family's from Arizona. Uh, that's the why, if you will. Uh, but it was one of those games where we needed the, the Cardinals needed to get out to a lead because I knew that, you could just see that, you know, when, when Kyler Murray starts doing the I'm on my back foot, just chucking it and falling over, uh, mm-hmm. doing some of those prayers and overshooting guys you're like we're going to give this game back. And they almost did that today. I will say, though, this Kyler Murray has the worst body language I've ever seen from a quarterback in the NFL. And that's, that includes Cam Newton. I can't stand Cam Newton because I hated his body language. But like Kyler Murray, just he, he's like a little kid who is like we all we all play basketball with with the guy growing up who was just so much better than everyone else on the court right and he'd pass you the ball and you're like oh shit i finally got the ball and you shoot it and you miss it and he'd be like oh fuck. you know he'd throw the head yeah. bob and all yeah. that stuff so mm-hmm. uh i'm glad that we obviously won this game we needed to we were on a three-game losing streak now both of our teams are 11 and 5 uh, i was really pissed that the fucking rams came back and beat the ravens because we would have had the division <laughs> at that point uh, we would be in the driver's seat going into the last week so now we have to you know beat a team and then san francisco has to beat them whatever uh but it was nice to get that win uh i'm sorry about michael gallup Did you see he's out for the season yeah, that ACL, yeah. that's man. that's uh dax dude too when he's out yeah like he he can't time. really manage without him so big time so <laughs> Uh, but it was it was sweet to to beat the the Cowboys. It's always special. I, I don't remember it. the last time the Cardinals lost to the Cow. Oh, the one time I went to the game. It was a Monday night, like three years ago. Uh, I think it was on my birthday. Yeah, my wife got me yeah. tickets to it. We went down to the stadium, and they just the Cardinals got their ass kicked. But I mean, when yeah. you have Josh Rosen as your quarterback, like, do you expect to win? I don't think so. <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. A little there Cowboys Cardinals talk. Uh, and right now, I'm I'm definitely watching that Green Bay Packers Vikings game because I'm in the fantasy Super Bowl, and I got a battle going on against my brother. So he's got Devontae Adams going right now, who currently has eight reception, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Fuck him. I've got Aaron Jones. He's still got a guy tomorrow. So, uh, yeah. but on that note, uh, we will be coming to you live again on Tuesday. Uh, the I will be in Palm Desert that day. So. Okay. Going back, going back out to Palm Desert, but I think the traveling is almost done. My internet looks like it held up tonight, which is fantastic. That's uh, because a lot of people have left the house for the holidays, so that's mm-hmm. great. Um, but we will be coming to you live on Tuesday, following the Suns versus the Pelicans game. 
Again, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us for an hour after the Suns destroy the Horny Hornets. Uh, make sure you subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you make sure you give us that thumbs up down below if you're watching this podcast. Uh, but until Tuesday, everybody, cheers. It was a great day. Cardinals win. Suns win. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, nothing like ending it with a V8. Uh, go home and love your family, everybody. <laughs> V8, this guy. Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.